All right. You feel good? Good, good, good. I would take a moment, and uh, I would be amiss to not take a moment and just say a simple prayer for our nation this week as we go into voting time. Um, I just believe the Bible says, blessed, who's, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And let's just pray. Can we pray right now? Father, all over the United States this coming Tuesday, millions of people will cast their vote. And God, we pray that your will be done, your kingdom come in every voting booth, in every home, in every family. And we pray for every senator, congressman, congresswoman, our president, the vice president. We pray that your hand to be upon them. And if they don't know you, they're going to get to know you. We pray the blessing of God on this next season and your kingdom come and your will be done. Let life come forth. Let your principles be held to in the courts. Let your principles be held to in the White House. Let your principles be held to in families. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. So today we are starting a new series entitled The Art of War. And in this series, we're going to take some time to talk through the armor of God. So let me start you here in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus and he says, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, or as the King James says, the wiles of the devil. Paul is writing the church in Ephesus. He's written five chapters prior, covering many different topics, and right before he gets to the close of this letter, Paul wants them to know something very important. We just read it together. He said, finally, like in closing, before I, before I wrap this baby up, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Paul, in the closing of his letter, wanted the people of Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, and I think we can echo it to the church today, is simply this. Opposition is to be expected. Paul is saying that this will not be easy. This will not be simple. That if you're gonna follow Christ, there are going to be some days that you're going to need to be strong. I've heard it said that as believers, we are not on a cruise ship, but we are on a battleship. That idea helps give way to the concept that this Christian life, that opposition is to be expected. Hard days will come. There will be challenging seasons. Difficulty will be a part of the process. Jesus said that trouble will be inevitable. Heartaches will happen because opposition is to be expected. And just from the start of this series, I want to take some time 
And just from the introduction, I want to talk to you about what the Word of God teaches about the three things that we are continually battling as believers, as people who have given their lives to Christ, who have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, I want to let you know something. Many of us think there are no battles, but the Bible teaches us that we are battling every day, specifically three areas. Really, the first two I'll go through briefly. They could be its own series, and I'm not saying I won't do that someday, but today I just want to briefly go through a few, and I'll, I'll sit on the third one a little longer. But number one is the flesh. Everybody say the flesh. This scripture, after Ephesians chapter six, it says, the scripture says, it says that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but we do wrestle with our flesh and our blood. This is a daily battle for every believer. What the Bible says is the war between the spirit and the flesh. Galatians chapter five says, the sinful nature wants to do evil. Just so you know, as a Christian, you still have a little bit of some, you got a side of you that wants to get down. <laughs> the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly, everybody say constantly, fighting each other. That's why you could love God, come to church, experience worship, cry, get baptized, get in a small group, serve on a team, and live like heaven on earth on Sunday, but come Monday morning, feels a little different. It's because the Bible says our flesh and our sinful nature, our flesh and our spirit are constantly warring with each other. You gotta understand, he's talking to believers here. So hear me today, believers struggle too. That just because someone is a Christian and comes to church, sometimes people from the outside can be a little critical and think, well, if you're really a Christian, you wouldn't act like that or do that or say, well, here's what you don't oftentimes understand for those of you who are on the outside of the faith, watching those of us who struggle on the inside of the faith, can I let you know we're in a battle with our flesh just every single day? We're doing our best to be like Christ, but there are some days that it feels like we're warring Am I helping anybody? This explains why we could love God and still have a tendency to gravitate toward things that are not good for us. And, and what we have to understand in this first battle, we're talking about the art of war, in this first warfare, this battle is not on the outside. This battle is on the inside. So many times when people struggle, they'll say, if I could just move away, right? You ever, you ever said that once or twice? If I could just move away, if I could just go to Hawaii. <laughs> Myrtle packed a car, we're moving to Hawaii. But I hate to tell you this, that when you go to Hawaii, you're at Hawaii. 
The problem isn't geographical. The problem is biological. The problem is who's on the end. You have a spirit and a flesh fighting every day. And on the inside, you can't get away from this, this flesh fight. That's why Paul said, I have to die every single day. The flesh don't take vacations. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The flesh doesn't take weekends. I guarantee you if I was to just interview some people watching a certain football game last night, I bet there was some flesh flying. <laughs> Can I get an amen, somebody? And that goes for probably every team in this room because Mississippi State right to the end. I heard my neighbors dropping some bombs. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know if there's even Alabama people here today, but bless you. All those empty seats up there, that's normally where they sit. They didn't even come today. I've never said it publicly, but just for you, roll tie. I felt like I just cussed in church. I <laughs> Hail State. Yeah. Glory to God. Go Buckeyes. <laughs> Look how carnal we got that quick. See what I'm saying? This is the flesh fighting with the spirit. <laughs> so we fight with the flesh. And number two, we fight with the world, the world. And when I say we're battling against the world, I'm not saying we are battling people in the world. I'm talking that we are battling the world system, the external influences that are not aligned with the principles of God. Those principles that are not aligned with God can oftentimes be found in People, relationships, governments, policies, media, education, sports, academics. Ephesians chapter two says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked before you came to Christ. Following the course of the world, following the prince of of the power of the air. This scripture is letting us know that the world system is predominantly influenced by the prince and the power of the air. The world is following, the scripture teaches the prince and power of the air is the devil. The world is following the influence of darkness. And the world system by default is not designed to follow the principles of God. It's exactly the opposite. The world system is doing what it's right, doing what's right in their own eyes, living their life based on and building structures and societies and governments based on what seems right in their own eyes when we as Christians are building our lives on what God says, 
First John chapter two says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out the love of the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear, appear important has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on its way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. The world system, hear me, just reinforces the desires that we have in the flesh. And we, and you've heard me say this many times, and I'm gonna just hit it one more time because if there's something I, I feel like in 2022 that we gotta keep reinforcing in the church and in believers and in the lives of individuals, it's simply this, that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. In other words, hear me, we live in Columbus, Mississippi, but we do not draw our values from Columbus, Mississippi. We live in a world with media, but our worldview is not shaped by the media. We live in the United States of America and thank God for the freedoms that we have living in this nation, but our values are much deeper. Our worldview is much stronger based on something that the world did not produce. It's based on the solid rock. The Bible teaches that the foolish man builds on sand and the wise man builds on the rock. I've come to tell you today, the world can build on sand, but we build on the rock. Can I get a big amen, somebody? We are in this world. We will shop at the grocery stores. We will put our kids in the school system. We will work here. We are a part of this world, but the Bible teaches we are citizens of heaven. We have another allegiance. We have another process. We have another thought life. We don't live here forever. We are going to one day when we die, we're going to go to our eternal citizenship. So we may be here for now, but we're just passing through. Am I helping anybody? That's why, that's why we as Christians, we don't get worked up like the world gets worked up. Everybody else start freaking out. We're calm. Why? Because he provides all my needs. I live in a different system and I choose to not participate in what the world is scared of. He supplies all my needs. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. By his stripes I am healed. I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. It ain't because I'm perfect, it's because I'm built on the rock. Am I talking to anybody? I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. Paul is letting them know that we fight Opposition is to be expected. We're gonna fight our flesh every single day. In fact, I would submit to you that I think that's the main fight. The second fight is that we're gonna fight the system of the world that's gonna be trying to pull us into the kingdom of darkness when the Bible says we're into the kingdom of light, constantly influencing us, social media constantly pulling us, news media, coworkers, People that are not in Christ. Jesus taught us 
The Bible says that he loved the world. We're to love people, but we are not to draw our values and our worldview and our principles from the people and culture and society. We must build our lives on something much stronger and bigger than what society has to say. And I'll say this, culture, I'm trying to move on, but let me just say this. This is something I just, I, I think about this all the time is that culture has one perspective, but kingdom really does have another. So, so culture says one thing about race, but kingdom says another thing about race. Culture says one thing about marriage, but kingdom says another thing about marriage. Culture says one thing about children, but kingdom says another thing about children. Culture says one thing about families, but kingdom says another thing about families. So we will have to decide when we are in this world, are we going to draw our ideas that is shaped by something that somebody hatched somewhere, or are we going to set our mind, or the Bible says, on things above Eternally established word in this world. Am I helping you a little bit right now? The flesh and the world, and then finally, the Bible teaches the devil. The devil. Now, I grew up where the devil was talked about maybe a little more than God. We were rebuking devils out of everybody and everything. I've seen my dad one time a lawnmower wouldn't start. <laughs> I promise to God. <laughs> he was out there pulling that cord. And we were out there in the swimming pool and dad was like, in the name of Jesus, start right now. And then finally he went, devil in the name of Jesus, get your hand off this mower. Wrong! Made me a believer right then. I'm like, okay, I just. <laughs> Devil didn't want him to mow his yard that day. I just. I know I joke because I do think there's some circles may have a really strong emphasis on the devil. And I want to be careful with that because I think people can get weird. 47% of people do not believe in the devil. And there are some denominations now that are teaching that the devil is not real and that hell does not exist. I'm not, as my pastor would say, I'm not one of those people. I do believe that the devil is real. I do believe the devil is an ancient adversary who has been doing what he's doing for thousands of years. This isn't his first time he's gone to battle. You're not the first person he's tempted. David Jeremiah once said that he believed that the enemy has files on every person. And he just knows the weaknesses that you and I struggle with. Because here's the reality, it's kind of hard to beat the devil in your own flesh because he knew what you liked before you got saved. So he's gonna use things that are enticing to you. So for some people, it could be finance and greed and money, but for other people, that's not their fight. 
For other people, it could be women or men or insecurities or bitterness. For the enemy just knows what he's doing. He's been doing this a long time. Dwight David Eisenhower once said, your task will not be an easy one, for your enemy is well-trained and battle-hardened, and he will battle savagely. The devil, Jesus believed in him, referred to him, spoke to him, pronounced judgment on him. The name Satan is used 52 times in the Bible. He's referred to as the evil one, the tempter, the destroyer, the deceiver, the great dragon who deceives the whole world, the ancient serpent who leads the whole world astray. Jesus said in John chapter eight, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus says that the devil has been, he's been a murderer since the beginning. Way before this church was ever built, way before this was possum city or whatever, Before there was an Octibaha County, before there was Mississippi, before the United States was founded, before the West was discovered, there was the devil. And Jesus said of the devil that he's a thief who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And, and here's what's interesting. Jesus three times called the devil the prince of this world. Three times Jesus called the devil the prince of this world. In that day, that was a high-ranking word. Jesus was saying that this creature, the devil, is the most powerful and influential creature in the world. Well, I don't know about that, Pastor Ethan. In fact, let me help you a little bit. The Bible says in 1 John 5 that the whole world belongs to him. In the Greek, it actually says it's in his lap. In one instance, the devil looks at Jesus and said that he would give him the whole world, all the kingdoms of this world, and Jesus did not correct him. The devil used destruction and lies, murder, deceit, Addiction, brokenness, shame, abuses. I'm not sure the devil fights fair. And when we, we hear this, you know, I grew up thinking there's no defense. The devil just gets to come in and cause problems, and then we just got to aim and hope, we'll just rebuke and cry and get a preacher to pray, and it just, that's how it always seemed, but the, the more and more I study the scriptures, I, I, I don't see it like that. In fact, let me show you Ephesians chapter six. I'll go back to it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. We're gonna discuss more of that this month. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The word schemes in the King James is the word wiles. The word wiles is the Greek word methodos. 
and is taken from the Greek word, or our English word, or our English word is taken from this Greek word, methods. That verse is literally saying, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the methods of the devil. The word methodos in the Greek, some translations actually translate the word to road. Looking for, imagine with me, the devil looking for an inroad into your and I's life. I used to think the devil could just cause havoc, could come in and just cause destruction, steal, kill, and to destroy within his own power whatever he wants to do. You just hope to God he doesn't catch your address, finds your phone number, don't come to my house. It's what people think. It's what I thought. But the more I've come to the understanding that the devil has to have legal access He has to have an inroad in. In this letter of Ephesians, you find that Paul is telling them to fight for unity and to watch for greed and lust and drunkenness and lying and anger. What, what he's doing is letting them know, hey, hey, you need to seal up all of the holes because the devil doesn't need a big area to get in. He just needs you to have a place of neglect in your life where he then has, he, he has legal access. Ephesians chapter four, verse 27 in my final verse today, it says, neither give place to the devil. Place, don't give, a, you don't even gotta give a lot. The devil just needs a little, little foxes, little leaven. He'll take any way he can to get into your life. And the devil doesn't care how, you, how he gets in. He just wants to, wants to get in. Let me show you something. Hey guys, thanks for coming to church today. Most safe section right here. So let me, let me, what you guys didn't know this whole service, what you didn't know this whole service is, is come with me, come with me, is that these, this door's been unlocked this whole time. What are you guys doing out here? I'm just kidding, I'm trying to preach, you're distracting me. This right here is just been an unlocked door this whole time. Did you know that there's 37 entrances into our church building? 37 entrances. And all a perpetrator would need is one to be unlocked. Everything is then vulnerable in the entire facility if just one door is unlocked. This week I stayed at an Airbnb and I did some studying this week. I take once a quarter and I go away and study and I pray and I build series for the next three months is normally what I try to do. Well, here's what happened. I go into my Airbnb, I get my passcode to go through the front door, I go into the front door and notice that the back door is unlocked. And I thought, isn't that interesting? 
that you have the front door locked. But if the back door is unlocked, what good was that? Hey, just hear me for a second. Many of us have one door locked. Oh, we, oh yeah, we, we, we got this area down. But all the devil needs is just one unchecked, bitter attitude. Let's walk this way. Follow me, Nova. Oh, man, I'm so glad you came, Santa. Thank you for coming to church today. Thank you for coming to church today. Bless God. It's a, give him your boxes when you're done, everybody. Hear me, hear me. Look at me. What would the devil love to do in your life, my life? All he needs is one door open. All he needs is one door of bitterness open. And you can be a tither. You can, be, you can love God. You can pray. You can fast. You can, but all the devil needs is just one door open. And when that door's open, he has legal access, lying into our lives. Imagine that for a moment. Bobby, all of the stuff you're trying to do, get right, is it bitterness? Is it anger? Is it looking twice? I mean, all he needs is just one. And when he gets in, everything is that now susceptible. Everything is now vulnerable. Everything is now accessible because we didn't shut that door, lock that place up. Every night before you go to bed, you do the, I do the same thing. I think you do the same thing too. All right, before you go to bed, my kids are in bed, they're all asleep. You know, you've gone through your two hours of yelling, get to bed, get to bed, get to bed. I'm going to kill you. I know you don't say that. I don't say that either. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> lights are out. You do the same thing. I know you do, Jake. Here's what happens. You go up and start checking doors. Because you would never go to sleep. You, you would never let your kids go to bed without checking the doors. Just checking the, this is just, it's, it's too serious. I gotta, some of you have ring cameras and the camera's on the front of your house that if the mailman goes by or a squirrel goes by, immediately the, the camera kicks on, lets you know someone's at your door. Why do we do that? For security reasons. We don't trust everybody. You're not supposed to trust everybody. If you're from the North like me, you don't like anybody. But hear me, here's what I want you to do today. The first line of defense we have is locking the door. Start there. Before we get to the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, before we start talking about other things, what you and I may need to do in the kingdom of God, in our lives, in our marriage, in our kids' life, start checking doors. Go check, because he'll do everything he can. And so many times I've been with people and they sit with me, my wife and I, and they'll say something like this. It all went down when I started to let this happen in my life. It, wasn't, it seemed so innocent, so little, but over time, 
it became more and more severe and things got much more complicated and turned into this and it turned into that, Scott. And the next thing you know, it's your marriage is a mess. The next thing you know. But it all started with one area we begin to leak on. What if today you ask the Holy Spirit to show you what doors you haven't been checking? What do I need to check, God? Could it be my home and my kids and my, is it my attitude? I've seen bitterness. A lot of times people immediately start thinking I'm talking about really bad stuff. I think it's little stuff. Just a little stuff. Just a little bit of bitterness. I've watched bitterness ruin churches, families, friends, loved ones, neighbors, because someone just let that door open in their life. Disgruntled attitudes and, and gossip and lying and those little things just, it only takes a little bit, a little bit of leaven. Mess up the whole lump, right? What if today God knew you were gonna be here like you, what's your name again? I forgot it. Amanda. What if God knew today Amanda's gonna be here and I need her to know we're gonna close that door once and for all? Because it could be your past. Could be your thought life. Could be the doubts and the fears that we struggle with and the questions that we bear. But today, what if I, Israel, who I just married, I did the wedding, just clarifying. <laughs> I stood there, I held the book, I did the thing. We weren't looking at each other. They, I was looking between them. Let's just move on. <laughs> Can I tell you today, it's time to check the doors again. Once he has legal access, he could do all kinds of crazy stuff. We begin to believe his lies, we open up a door. We begin to think certain ways, open up a door. Make, do certain things, believe certain lies, and do certain behaviors. And today, what if God wanted you to know that the first step to warfare, he says, you gotta stand strong. Hold that door closed. The first step, we ain't getting to everything else yet. First step, week one, close the door. Why, why pull the sword of the spirit, breastplate of righteousness, when you leave the doors open? A lady once had a house where she had a ton of flies and she was buying all these fly swatters and hitting all these flies and her son came in the house and said, mom, why are you buying all these fly swatters. Well, honey, I'm just trying to get these flies out of the house. And I got all these strips of tape, you know, that stuff that hangs down. I got all that. He said, well, mom, you just need a screen in the window. Common knowledge, right? If you can put a screen in the window on the front end, you wouldn't need to kill so many flies on the back end. Could it be that today some of the battles you're facing, we want to blame on the devil, him assaulting us? Maybe it's not because the devil's after you. It's that you just left the door open. Just left the door open. Legal access. And today, what if you said access denied?
no longer, not in my house, not in my mind, not in my, not in my heart, not in my family, not in my church. We're closing the door of disunity. We close the door of anger. We close that door of bitterness. We close the door of disruption and fear. And we close that door of anxiety. We close the door. Devil, you have no right and we give you no place. We close the door. We close the door. Will you stand with us all over the room? Are you thankful for the word of God today? With eyes closed all over the room, if you don't know Jesus, you've drifted away from him. This is a moment we've all been waiting for. You don't want to leave this place without knowing Jesus. Just trust me. And what you've sensed today, faith and love and life, this is a moment for you that everything could change. If you're in the room today and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, I want all of us to pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean of my transgressions. I'm imperfect. I'm broken. And I need you to save me. Fill me. Heal me. Direct me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Made the greatest decision of your life. If you're one of the people that said yes to Jesus, please do me a favor. Take a moment, fill out that card on the seat back, give it to the guest services. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. You just made the, come on church, let them know they made the greatest decision of their entire lives today. Eternity is leaning in right now. We're proud of you, excited for you. I want to pray with you before we close that, that you're going to close the door. Amen? Father, I pray over every marriage, every teenager, every single mom, every single dad, every military officer, every individual represented, that in the name of Jesus, they will have the courage and the discipline and the urgency to go up to loose doors and begin to shut them and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is not gonna come in. Anger's not coming in my house. Depression's not coming in my house. Anxiety's not coming in my house. Worry isn't coming in. Evil spirits are not coming in. We close the door today and we, we make a draw a line in the sand and say today's a new day and a new chapter. We close those doors. We make a decision in the name of Jesus. Come on, put your hands together. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, in your own mind, right where you are. Think of the doors that need to close. Think of the doors that need to shut. Holy Spirit, show us. Is it our attitude? Is it our thought life? Is it our decisions? Is it our finances? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.